welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, and I'm a photographer, podcaster, and writer. And I love art and artists, and I love asking questions and having real conversations. I have a curious nature, and I'm really interested in people, who they are deep down and why they do what they do, what do they love, and how did they get where they are, and where are they headed? Austin is a great city, and I'm grateful to be in the midst of so many talented and amazing artists and those that support them. If you don't want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe where you listen and visit scottdavidgordon.com to learn more about me, other podcasts I produce, and to read my almost daily journal where I share my photography, thoughts and connections, and books that I'm listening to or reading. And reach out if you have an idea for your own podcast and don't really want to deal with the learning curve and all the equipment. Maybe I can help you make your dream come true. On to the interview. Lauren Hunt is one of the rare artists who work with glass, and she has been at it for over 10 years. After college, she worked for seven of those years at the Corning Museum of Glass in New York with the Hot Glass Show, on land and traveling all over the world on cruise ships doing live and educational demonstrations. Eventually, she made it to Austin, where she has continued her practice of making functional, whimsical, and sometimes purely artistic works of beauty out of molten glass. Lauren is a hoot, and we had such a fun conversation. I've always wanted to learn more about glass blowing and what it's all about, and Lauren did not disappoint. Check out the shop on her website, laurenhuntglass.com, and see if there isn't something there that strikes your fancy. Support local artists and fill your house with beautiful handmade objects by people you know. Here is Lauren. Well, thanks for being on my podcast, Lauren. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful day. We're in your backyard, so the listeners might hear some crows or <laughs> who knows what might be flying around here. But um, uh, I'm so glad to be here. And I just, I don't remember how long ago we met, but, you know, I, who isn't dazzled by glass blowing and all the beautiful things that you can make? And I just was very curious to. Uh, you're the only glass blower I know, so yeah, we're kind. Uh, <laughs> we can be kind of like unicorns sometimes in the uh, craft community. So, well, that's a, it's such an interesting thing. I was thinking about like you know, I was researching the history of glass and the history of glass blowing, and I was thinking like, oh, you know, people have been doing this for thousands of years. But then I was also thinking, you know, people have been drawing and painting and making sculpture and pottery for thousands of years too. But there's definitely something very unique and specific about glass, working with glass. And like you're saying, it's it's much more rare. Right. Um, and it requires sometimes um, some industrial size equipment and 2000 degree furnaces and things like that to right. uh, create your art um, such an interesting thing yeah and you have to have you know no fear walking into it <laughs> to yeah. be working with the material that you know it's it it can do some damage if you don't know how to work it properly um, mm -hmm. but you know that's what makes it so intriguing because that's you know when you see people who know what they're doing with the material it's just so exciting you're like how are they doing any of this? It's like a magic show. Yeah. You know, everything is just like your eyes are wide open and you feel like you're watching it from start to finish, but from start it's a blob and then finish all of a sudden it's this beautiful Venetian vase and you're like, I don't know what just happened. Yeah. Like you watch the whole thing, but your mind's <laughs> slightly blown and you're like, I don't, I don't get it, but it's just, yeah, glassmakers are, are fun, you know, cause we, we love, we, we, we love talking about glass yeah. for sure. 
and it's you know there aren't that many crafts that you know you have people come to watch it being right. done and they and it actually uh that's part of i think the practice sometimes is having an audience or oh man and i've performed for many of them after working with uh the corning museum of glass in upstate new york i i worked there for seven years and you know, that's that was my first glass job out of college. I went to college for glass blowing. Mm. I have a, a bachelor's of fine art degree, and my focus was in glass. And I, I applied to one job out after college, yeah. and it was just Corning. And they were like, "Sure, we'll take you on." And I, I mean, I just feel like that was a lot of luck, but I wow. was, you know, a lot of hard work went into that. And yeah, so I went there, and um, you know, m- the main job there is is working for the museum, and you're a part of the hot glass show, and. You know, you work and you demonstrate and you have to narrate the process and you work oh, with wow. a team. And so, like, there were three main duties that I had, which was, you know, perform. So, you got to make a piece from start to finish in about 20 minutes because um, that's about the amount of time they had for all the bus groups and the tour yeah. groups that were coming through. Wow. And um, another aspect of it was, you know, being the assistant. So, you were just kind of quiet on the stage, helping out the gaffer. And then... Um, the gaffer is just the, the team leader of yeah. the, the thing. Um, and then the third position would be narration. So I would have a microphone on, uh, like I do now, and right. I would be talking to the audience <laughs> and trying to speak very plain and clear and, and really educate the public on what's happening. You know, I break down something as simple as a gather and from the furnace and, and, you know, talk about what mm. the gaffer is doing. And yeah, and I've just had to do that you know, for, for seven years. And then obviously did that on cruise ships as well. So. Yeah. I definitely want to hear more about the cruise ship experience. Um, but I'm just, as you're talking, I'm just thinking like what an incredibly unique experience and craft and kind of like the timing of you being there and doing that work, having to learn it well enough to be able to describe it. So everyone could understand. That makes you a better educator. In my opinion, you know, you, you talk about it enough and it's not like you're talking about it that you're convincing yourself that those are okay. Right. Things like, no, you, you know it because you practice it too. And you know, when somebody just asks, why are you doing this one thing? If you can't break it down in a really, you know, common sense way for people, it's going to be really hard to communicate and, and bond with people and have them, you know, connect with you. Yeah. I want to come back to some things uh, that follow up on what you just said, but let's go back to, where did glass even come into the picture of your life? I mean, how did that even end up being something that you focused on in college? You know, when I graduated high school, uh, you know, my high school, I, I grew up in Botetourt, Virginia, and there wasn't much of an art scene there. It's just, uh, a, it's a small town. And uh, I don't know, I just always, I was always interested in art. And the thought comes to mind um, was I, I just always knew I wanted to be an artist. And my, you know, my parents were always so supportive of it. Hmm. They, like, I can think back to a specific story of when I was a kid and I remember, uh, Christmas and like my sister, she got this like nurse play set. And then, um, I got this like awesome brand new Crayola, uh, <laughs> you know, markers and, you know, pads and all these things drawn. And then my brother got this Lego set. And then, you know, as, you know, we looking at us now as adults, my sister's an occupational therapist. So she went into that field. My brother, he, you know, can pretty much just build a computer from scratch. So he's definitely into technology. And then oh, wow. I, I wanted to be 
something with the arts. I didn't know. And, you know, there's no artists in my family, really. Like, my dad was an electrician and my mom was an elementary school librarian. Like, I'm kind of like this little random drop in the whole family bloodline. I don't yeah. really know where it came from. Um, but it, it really was like the support of my, my parents. Aww. They were like, whatever you think you need to do, you obviously can't stay here. You need to go to college. You need to be exposed. And so, um, yeah, I applied to uh, VCU in Richmond and I got in and, you know, I remember uh, walking around doing the orientation to all of the different, the, the craft studies. Yeah. And there was like the ceramic room and, you know, they had grad students in there throwing around a bunch of ceramics and they just looked really intense, you know. I was like, oh, that looks neat. That looks neat. And then, you, you know, I saw the metalworking and I was like, oh, that really looks cool. I saw the jewelry work. I was like, that looks neat. And then, you know, we like circle around to the glass and I was like, I have no idea what's happening, but I am just like, <laughs> my eyes just were like wide open and my mouth dropped and my dad was like, this would be so cool if you got, to, if you got into this. And I was like, I know. And he was nudging me. He's like, look how cool this is. I was like, I know. I was like, yeah. And I mean, it was just full-fledged support from there. I just wow. was like, that's what I want to do. And I, it just, you, you just saw, you just see it and you know it sometimes. Yeah. So. But before that, had you ever given glass a second thought, seen any kind of glass art or anything? So growing up in Virginia, you always go to Jamestown for all the school trips, yeah. right? And um, glass blowing was one of the first industries here in America. And so they have a recreation of glass blowers there oh. and and there's typically you know when they bring in the school group you run around to all the different aspects of that uh park and one of them was the glass blowing and i remember watching it and it just didn't click when i was a kid huh. like i just yeah. i saw it but i was like you know i just didn't get it maybe or you know you see it but it's so funny how it just kind of comes out in your life a little bit later on. yeah 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 wow <laughs> so you're at corning tell me about any experiences that come to mind of just how people reacted to your demonstrations or what you were doing, what you were creating. There was, there's always like um, one main demonstration that we would, we would do. That's always a good showstopper. And it's when you use centripetal force and you uh, spin the, the pipe really fast and that will flare the, the bowl open that you're making and just people seeing something that is round and symmetrical all of a sudden be flat as a plate. I mean, just seeing that expression of just like pure amazement and, they always had more questions after the demonstration. And I felt so bad because I just really wanted to break it down. But you really can't break down like a thousand years of history in yeah. a 15 minute narration. So you really just got to like hone in on the basics um, and, and let them, you know, obviously classical blowing goes beyond a thousand years. But like, it's just I felt bad because I wanted to give them more. But there was such a time constraint. But everybody was always so happy when they walked away because they felt like they had a deeper connection with it because they understood enough of the process, more than what they had before they had come into the museum. Yeah. How many hours do you think you spent learning and working there just in that seven years? I mean, I mean, it was a full-time job. It was 40 hours a week uh, wow. for seven years, you know, and yeah, so that was... That's it was intense. full-fledged. It was great. <laughs> and then, you know, being an artist, you just want to be in the studio all the time and never give yourself a break and whatever. And, and Corning has a, a great teaching facility and there would be world-renowned artists coming through all throughout the summer. And, uh, you know, if you were lucky enough to be there during the summer, you could 
go in on your lunch break and go to the, um, it's called the studio, which is right across the parking lot from the museum. And that was a teaching facility. And you could watch these Italian maestros. You could watch like Czech glassblowers. You could do whatever. You could just sit in the audience and just watch these people do their thing. And you're just like, my mind is blown that this is just like my (laughs) lunch break right now. How is this a thing? Um, Wow. So... You know, if there was time available, typically, yeah, if you work Monday through Friday, I'd probably be working on Saturday and Sunday too, blowing glass with friends and making my own production work and assisting. And that's how you get better is that you, yeah, you just keep digging in. Hmm. <laughs> how would you describe kind of the progression of your style or your skills through college in, you know, through the seven years at Corning? Like when you're looking back at it, you know? Right. Like things I, you created, things that you knew how to do or that you didn't know how to do. Yeah, that's, you know, everybody has different interests, right? With with all the different materials. And I think, you know, for there's ceramic artists out there that not every ceramic artist makes a mug, right? It doesn't always translate to functional for some people. They want to go sculptural. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with glass artists where it's a, it's kind of a rare thing that you find people who can, who can really do both pretty well. Yeah. And... Um, most often than not, you know, if there's a goblet maker, like I think of Michael Shunky and he's just a really world renowned goblet maker. I think of him and that's mostly what he does, but he's, he's really skilled and talented at doing like small, uh, sculptural elements and adds those to his goblets. But I mean, that's such a rare thing to find that and, and people who can do both. So for me, the transition was, I, I really love form and function. If it just is a sleek, clean design and yeah. very, you know, it's, it's just a smart design. I, I think I really strive for that all the time. And it's it's always a constant battle because, you know, artists are their own worst enemy. You just kind of convince yourself, oh, this isn't good. And then you just yeah. like, you know, you just keep plugging along. And I think eventually some, some designs start to make more sense to you and you can like really own them as your own. Mm. And I think time, you need time to to really try a lot of different styles and a lot of different color applications and mess up a lot. You got to just make a lot of stuff that you just ultimately, you're like, I don't care if I never see it again. Like, yeah, get it out of here. But I think that's hard for people. I mean, I feel like we're all, I mean, I guess I'll just speak for myself. It's just like, it's almost hard to let yourself make crappy stuff. I mean, it just, it's a <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's, oh, it's like the perfectionism and <laughs> Or making things that no one will ever see. I feel like we're all just sharing everything all the time. I mean, you know, it's yeah, just... I can, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's because I'm looking back at the older thing. Yeah. In my mind, in my mind's eye, I'm looking, at back, I'm looking back at the older things I used to make, and I'm like, man, I'd never make that again. You know, ah. it's like, I just don't... I need to move forward. I need to move on. Yeah. And if I ever make something that I have made before, most likely it's for a demonstration for students that I'm trying to educate them on a technique or a process. But for the most part, if it's not something that's current for me, the thing that I made in the last like year or two, then I mean, you know, it's something that I made back in college. Hopefully I'm making better things (laughs) since college because college, you just like a really, you're just terrible (laughs) at it. You're such a bad glass blower in college. You just don't know anything. Yeah. At all. You have to start somewhere. Yeah, you do. And it's, and you know, I think Corning was really humbling humbling for that because I was like, I went into it like, oh yeah, I'm a really good glassblower. And then Corning was like, no, I just, you know, sit down. It's all good. Like, you'll figure it out. It's cool. But you you need some time to really figure your stuff out. Yeah. Like we had talked a little bit before we started recording, I mentioned the uh, museum is there. I had thought, wow, that must have been such a interesting source of inspiration. But then... 
maybe there's another side to it. And then also like, where do you find inspiration now? I guess. Right. would be my question. I, yes. Corning is that museum is just chuck full with so much glass and so much history. And I did pull a lot of inspiration from a lot of historical pieces um, uh, in the museum. Like there is a, a drinking horn that I thought was just so interesting and it's not a cup. It was just this random design. And, you know, there's uh, a German Stein that was made into the shape of a, a boot. And, you know, there's random sculptural things that are like trick goblets were so fascinating to me. And you have, if you haven't seen those look up trick goblets, you know, just okay. Google that and yeah. you will just be like, how the heck do you drink out of this thing? And that's the fun of it. You know, it's like, you just got to figure it out. That, that <laughs> for me was like a lot of inspiration was just like trying to figure out how these people made these things, especially way back in the day and how I would make it now. So yeah. a lot for me, I'm really technique driven. I really like learning how to build something and doing it right. And, or to, to, you know, right enough, you know, yeah. to, to get relatively a similar outcome. And I think that's where I struggle as an artist because I can learn all the t techniques in the world, but then what am I at the end of the day? What am I mm. trying to say and what am I trying to make? And yeah. that's where my rooted pieces came in and I made those in, you know, uh, 2019. And that was like my first real expression of myself. And it was mm. like really vulnerable. And I was like, I'm not sure if I want to share that with people because I'm like, I'm I'm still working it out and I'm still feeling out the shapes and the design and the colors. And, and that's why I kept it really minimal. And because I was just trying to be honest with myself because it's a constraint on, on the shape and the form and the color and maybe just like constraining the colors to just two colors, gold and white and, you know, clear, like leaving it simple would help me just be able to express that the difficulty that I have, you know, expressing yeah. it. You had said on your website specifically about that work, I'd love to hear maybe a description of that work for people that are listening, but you said uh, that work specifically was inspired by your need to stay grounded and honest to myself and my craft. I was like, wow, that's heavy. You know, that's <laughs> serious. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I was like, uh, but it was honest. It was... Yeah, I wasn't trying to make those pieces anything more or less than what they were, which, yeah. you know, looking at them, if you don't know anything about glass, they're they're beautiful forms. If you know something about glass, if you've dealt with it before, whatever, if you've hung out with the glass blower before, you know, that's a cane working technique. Hmm. And then you start to break down how I made it. You know, I wasn't trying to be overly impressive with technique. I was just trying to use the techniques that I really love, which is, yes, cane work and yes, flame working. And I I wanted to meld those two together that hmm. just to be able to, you know, make something that I thought was really visually beautiful and, and stimulating. And, you know, I think about my sister when it comes to my work a lot because hmm. uh, she's like, she swears, you know. Uh, on her life, she's like, I'm not an artist. I don't get it a lot of the time. And so the reason why I named these things the, uh, the Rooted series, it's like you look at it and it's straightforward and you can identify that, you know, the finials, they're rooted. Yeah, they look like roots, like golden roots. And like, you know, if you don't know anything about art, you can at least identify with it mm. and you can get it. And I wanted to reach the people like my sister who is just like, I don't get it, but it's really pretty and I kind of understand where that translation is. And then 
to other people that wanted to know more about why it, why I named it, you know, that's why I said it and I just kind of, I'm happy that you're like, wow, that was deep. That's heavy stuff right yeah. there. <laughs> Cause well, maybe, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it because it's, uh, it's like hard for me. It's, it's hard for me to talk about it because yeah. of that, cause it's just a representation of, of everything that I love about glass. Yeah. And I want to go further into this, but mm. yeah, I just, you know, in this whole last year of the, the pandemic, you know, like most artists, we've, a lot of us have like struggled with inspiration and struggled with having access to a studio. And so I feel like this year we were saying before you started recording, you know, you caught me in a huge transitional period. Yeah. I'm, I'm really like coming out of the gates running. Like I have, sketches out of the woodwork and oh, nice. I just need to get to work. So I want to see where this goes. Well, maybe describe one of these rooted pieces for someone if they were listening. Sure. But I also wanted to say that, you know, when I read that, what you said about the rooted pieces, I was just also wondering, like, I could just picture you, uh, you know, working this glass next to this furnace and in the studio. And like, are you, I don't know, I'm not trying to dramatize it or something, but I'm almost wondering, like, are these feelings like welling up inside of you as you're making this stuff? Or is it something you kind of like look back on and see it? Or, you know, when you're working, is it just more kind of like, you know, all technical? You know what I mean? Are you, right. are you getting like emotional while you're doing it? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of things. These, there's, yeah, all good <laughs> questions. Um, okay. So to, to quickly describe yeah. Rooted, it's more or less a non-functional vase form. So they range anywhere between 16 inches wide to 18 inches tall. And they, they just range between, you know, small and large. And they have this really kind of undulating shape. They're not anything that's super structured like a cylinder or, yeah. you know, a, a, just a nice round, um, you know, ball form. It doesn't, it didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted it to be this like real funky uh, shape. And, but I really still wanted to control the glass. A lot of glass artists say, you know, if, if, you know, the more, after you found me, you're going to find a lot more glass artists, trust me. Um, okay. yeah. but they're just these really one-off shapes. They have a lot of movement to them in the color pattern and in the form itself. Mm. And there's a lot of white streaks that run through them. And that's the cane that I was talking about. Yeah. And that's a technique of rolling up these lines of glass onto a bubble and blowing it out and manipulating it. And I would stretch and contort those lines and not make them super straight. I wanted to, I wanted to mess it up. I wanted to, to play with it. And then the finials, you know, the lids that would more or less just be permanent at the top, they're flame worked. So it's a different style of, of glass making where I would make the vase form at a furnace with, you know, a thousand pound tank and work in a hot shop. And then flame working is where you work at a table with a small mounted torch hmm. and you would bring cold glass to the flame. And typically it's like borosilicate glass or Pyrex. And I know a lot of people know Pyrex glass because yeah. they bake with it. And I would, I would melt the rods down and it was all solid forms and I, would, and I would create these kind of rooted shapes that kind of look like bare trees in winter. Yeah. And then I would uh, paint a gold enamel and um, fire it on there. So it was kind of permanently on the glass. Are they not inside? Am I remembering that wrong? So I do have some that uh, have chandeliers on the inside. Okay, yeah. yeah, totally. And um, I'm thinking of strictly the ones that just had the, you know, the, the, the finials on top. But yeah, I made lids that had a little loop 
on the bottom and I wanted it to mirror top and bottom. So the finial at the top of the, the vase would mirror what was on the inside of the vase as well. And mm. that really scared people to like move the vase. They were like, oh, this lid moves and, and you know, people just want to touch things. And yeah. it's so funny because like, it's funny to see people's reactions with glass because once they realize, oh God, there's a chandelier thing hanging on the inside of this vase, they immediately like stop what they're doing and they just very slowly yeah. put the lid back down. And I'm like, it's all right. You're doing all right. <laughs> it's fine. But um, yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's, that is right. Yeah. I have some that have hanging chandeliers on the inside and then some that just don't. Yeah. yeah. Is that an ongoing series or, I mean, how does that, how do you feel about that work now? Just thinking about it. I think it was a necessary stepping stone okay. in me finding what it is that I make and what it is that I want to make for the future. Like, I think that was so necessary and, and yeah, I'm excited to see what, you know, which drawing I pick from, from my sketchbook to just really go with next. Like, I mean, that's just, that's a part of it for me. And mm. not, not every glass artist will draw out their ideas. Like oh, I have, okay. they'll have some sort of conceptual idea in their, in their mind and then they'll just kind of make it. But for me, I'm really like, this is where mm. I'm, I'm really structured in this way that, it's funny. I'm like bad with measurements, but I'm really good with like, if you give me a drawing, I can usually make it to, to that yeah. drawing yeah. and I'm, I'm good with that. But, um, I, I need that. And for me, the reason why I draw too is to articulate what exactly I'm making to my assistant so they can better assist me. Cause sometimes you just can't describe what you're making all the time. I'm like, yeah, let me make this undulating form that I'm going to mess up some cane on. And my assistant's going to be like, what are you talking about? Like that yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you show them a design, they're like, yeah. oh, okay. It's a, it's a peanut-shaped vase. All right, cool. I can do that, you know? You know, when I was doing research about glass blowing, of course, probably, I'm assuming the most famous glass artist in the world, Dale Chihuly, oh, yeah. came up. And I've seen some of his work in person, and it's just gorgeous. Okay. I mean, I love color. So, I mean, it was just like, uh, it's a delight to look at. Um, and his work is all artistic, right? I mean, he's not doing anything functional, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. No, I mean, he did do a, a vase series. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, it's just, it's beautiful on its own. Like, I wouldn't imagine people would be putting flowers in it. But it, technically, yes, it's functional. Yeah. You know, you could if you wanted to drop you know, $60,000 and put a flower in it, um, right. you know. But it was just interesting watching uh, some videos about him and just seeing how it is or it can be a very collaborative process. Like some of the things you can't do by yourself. You're talking about having an assistant. I right. think it's really also unique to this craft is, um, you know, working with other people or someone else. You're like, you're, it's your concept but someone else is helping you facilitate the creation of it because it's just too complex to do on your own yeah there's a really common phrase or saying in glass blowing which is uh you're only as good as your assistant oh yeah and you rely so heavily on them i mean they they will make or break your piece and i i work with extremely skilled assistants i'm so lucky that i have yeah. that here and they, they're all dear friends to me um but yeah, I mean, it's like I've, when you're first learning, you break everything that you make because you don't know what went wrong and you don't know better yourself. And you're also working with people that are also inexperienced. And that's the point of taking classes and working with people with different skill levels and you just get better with time mm. and more practice. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really team, it's a big team effort. I mean, I've worked on teams before where there was like 10 people on the floor. Oh, wow. And you know, I was subjected to opening and closing the the furnace doors for the other gaffers that were working. And that's such a 
vital part because you don't want to have all the doors open to the furnace and then the furnace loses all the heat and then it takes more time. And then, you know, there's like nine other people running around shielding the gaffer with wooden boards and blowing smoke out of their face and making sure their tools aren't jumbled up and tangled with each other. And, yeah. and I can just imagine this scene and, and all these people working together and then rotating through these positions and then maybe... At some point, you're the person whose work you're creating and everyone's the nine people are running around helping you. I mean, that just sounds wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's great if like, you know, if I have a big piece in mind and then I have just like a super big like guy or girl on my team and I'm like, yeah, you want to do some heavy lifting? Sweet. And I don't have to. Yeah. They'll sweat a little bit more for me. It's great. And everyone's happy to help is the great thing about glass blowers. It's like yeah. we all want to see it. We all want to see it. We want to see what this beautiful thing that you've conjured up in your brain, and it's only in your brain that we want to see it. And you just really need help with that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really love about glass blowing is that it is a team sport and, and you have friends that help you. Listening to you just makes me think about, I almost wish I could just be in your head and see glass from your perspective with your you know 10 plus years of experience working with it. Well, how do you think about glass itself? Like, what do, what do you see when you see glass, you know? What do you feel? You know, this is where, like, the technician in me kind of will take the joy out of things sometimes. Oh, okay. Because it's like, I, you know, when you say, what do you feel when you look at glass? I mean, it just outright, it makes me happy. Yeah. I just, like, it always makes me happy. But if you ever watch videos of me blowing glass, I have, like, this, like, real serious face, and I yeah. look like I'm grimacing, and it's like, no, that's my happy place. I swear to God, it's just, <laughs> I'm just the happiest I can be. I just look like I'm miserable, but I'm not. I'm just, I'm focused. Um, but when I see glass, I mean, it depends what I'm looking at. If I'm looking at a chandelier or, like, something like what you mentioned with Dale Chihuly in one of his installs in, you know, a park somewhere in a museum, I mean... I just look at everything and I try to like look at how it was constructed and the colors that they used and how they achieved that texture and how much glass they gathered in order to make that shape the size that it is. Like I, that's where my brain goes. Mm. And it's like, I want to know all of that. And what good will it do me? Not a whole lot because I'm not going to go off and make a bunch of Dale Chihuly pieces. But I, I like knowing it because I just like feeling like I understand the material better in that way. Mm. Maybe we could just talk about the basics for a second and just because I'd like to know a little bit more about kind of like what is glass blowing? You know what I mean? Like kind of what are the all the moving parts, the tools? I mean, I, you don't have to get super specific, but just kind of right. like for someone that doesn't know much about it, like how would you describe it? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And it's uh, not always you're not always blowing something, right? I mean, it's sometimes you're using all kinds of different tools, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I that mean, specifically, especially like right now, you know, in the times of COVID, like we're not, we're not blowing, we're not putting our mouths on blowpipes anymore. Oh. Like that's how we would inflate glass, you know, for, if you watch any video, um, yeah. you know, you'll see the assistant at the end of the blowpipe blowing in the gaffer is turning the pipe at the bench and they're kind of dictating to the assistant how much to blow, how little to blow, hard, soft, whatever. Um, stop blowing is a really important uh, instruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, now nowadays there's been so many um, evolutions of different styles of, like different tools that were now manufactured to, to help people blow up glass without putting their mouth on the pipe. Oh, so, interesting. Um, you know, now there's a, 
a little hand puffer that you can use uh, that is, it looks like you're taking your blood pressure. It has one of those hand yeah. pumps. Um, and then it just has a little nozzle attached to it. And you just put that to the mouthpiece and you just pump it up by hand. That works for, you know, a lot of classes if you're just trying to teach a lot of people and, you know, you don't have a bunch of random people touching, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the mouthpiece. But then there's also the automatic uh, system now where you can just have um, a blow hose, which is just a long rubber tube that would be connected to the mouthpiece of the blowpipe. And then the other end of that rubber tube is connected to compressed air. And then you would have a foot pedal system and that foot pedal would um, kind of, if you step on the foot pedal, it would create a burst of air yeah. and it would blow it up that way, which is a nice, super sleek, automatic way of puffing up glass. But yeah, like you said, you're not always blowing it up. You know, sometimes you want to make a solid sculpted piece and, uh, or even a paperweight, you know, that's solid. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's just such a hot, intense environment. And, uh, I just, I love it so much. Like, and I don't know, I think I've had the one comment said to me the most since I've moved down here to Texas, which is like, how do you blow glass in Texas? It's uh, so right. hot. Like, yeah. yeah, it totally is. But I mean, it's already, it's already so hot, you know, <laughs> everything's already hot. Like, it's like, I'm already used to it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to the basics of it, you need, you need tools and they're specialized tools and there's not many tool makers out there in the world, uh, that make glass blowing tools. You know, there's five that come to mind. Oh, wow. And, um, and then of course you get like the, the blacksmiths that are really talented at make, making specialized hand tools for you, which is great. But like when it comes to blowpipes, furnaces, annealers, glory holes, all of that's really specialized equipment. And there's mm. not many businesses out there that, that create that for glassmakers. So we rely heavily on a very select few of, of businesses. So those are like the mandatory things you must have. Furnace that holds the molten glass, glory hole to reheat the glass, and annealer to cool your glass. Because if your glass cools too quickly, it'll just crack and break. You need blowpipes to handle the glass, which are typically five-foot rods or tubes, you know, uh, metal tubes made out of stainless steel. Uh, you wouldn't want to use, like, copper tubes because that would conduct the heat. Stainless steel is a really poor conductor of heat. You know, we don't wear gloves when we work. That's not necessary. Really. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's scary, Lauren. <laughs> you burn yourself a lot? Do you have a lot of burn scars uh, you know no not really like all like like i have like no i'm like looking at my forms right now i have one little old scar and i mean no i just don't th i mean that would mean i'm really bad at my job if oh, i just okay. constantly am burning myself and when it does happen it's it's oftentimes a tool it's a hot tool it's never the glass like the glass uh, is so hot yeah. you always know you're so focused on where that's at but yeah. if you just used tweezers to like you know pluck out some little cat ears if you're sculpting a cat for example and you put the tweezers down, but then you just aren't looking at the tweezers when you go to pick them up again. You can just get like a little quick like finger burn. And it's really similar to, you know, a skillet burn. It's yeah. That's all it is. Um, but no, I don't get those too often. You know, you're just kind of hypersensitive and focused. A thought that I had right now is just how how in the moment you'd have to be working with glass. Like you'd have to be totally 100% present and in the moment, right? Or not. You know, yeah. Oh, so, okay, so yes. Uh, and like the reason I'm pretty like, ah, you know, you can sneak by with a couple um, other thoughts. It's because, you know, honestly, it's all muscle memory. Okay. It's the same thing. You know, it's just like it's 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 repetition. And 
I know how to gather. I know how to blow out a bubble. I know how to reheat it. I know、oh, okay. when to reheat it. My brain just kind of it just clicks on automatically now.、Yeah. But it's of course I've been doing this for twelve years.、Yeah. So like you know now I feel like my friends and I, my assistant and I will be talking about. You know, garden issues we're、right. having, and you know, my friend just moved into a new house, and she's just she built a greenhouse, and she's talking about how she's rebuilding the the shelving units in it, and and we're talking about all of that while I'm like blowing glass,、yeah. and I'm like you know, flipping the glass around my head, and I'm like yeah, shaking my head at her, like yeah, man, I totally get it, yeah, you know, greenhouses are a great investment, and then all of a sudden we put a piece away, and I'm like all right, let's keep going, you know, it's, yeah. I get you. It, yeah, I get you. yeah.、So、I guess. I mean, I imagine、depends. if I was doing, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you have、uh, a lot of experience.、So. <laughs> you know, and that's that's with like production pieces, in my opinion. It's、yeah. like things that it's repetition. You know, if you're making the same thing over and、oh, over right, again, right, and right. so like I know you mentioned, like I do a lot of seasonal work, and and that's good bread and butter, and so that's absolutely why I make these items.、Um, And after you make so many of them, yeah, you can kind of like go a little bit on autopilot. But when it comes to something that's really time sensitive and really you, like you want to put a lot of thought and heart into it, like、um, like my rooted pieces, yeah, like you、exactly. do focus a lot more. And that conversation, instead of it being about gardens and greenhouses, it'll typically be about like, does this shape make sense? Should I pull this out? Should I drip it out a little bit more? Should、yeah. I blow it up a little bit more? And I mean, I'll get a lot of feedback from my assistant, and we'll really focus on the piece then. You know, but it but it definitely depends, like most things. Yeah, you also mentioned somewhere online that I、uh, when I was doing my research, the idea of working against or with the glass. Like maybe elaborate on that whole dynamic. Right. So, if you're working against the glass, to me, what I was trying to articulate was you're working the glass too cold. So hot glass is really soft and malleable. It's it's a lot like Honey mixed with molasses and a、hmm. little bit of cornstarch, like just to thicken it a bit. You know, it has、yeah. almost that sort of tackiness. But when it starts to cool down from two thousand degrees to eighteen hundred degrees, it starts to get even stiffer, like a little bit more like taffy. Like, and then when it goes down to fifteen and even fifteen hundred degrees to a thousand degrees, a thousand degrees, it's solid like a rock. Oh wow! Like it just takes no time at all. For all of a sudden, it is cool and like you know that's really. It's an oxymoron to say a thousand degrees is cool. I get that, but <laughs> you know, it's but that's the truth for a glass blower. A thousand degrees is is pretty chilly. You know, it's when the glass is solid and it's not moving. And if you're trying to, you know, it's like you're trying to bend a window. You know, you can't do it. It's just a solid material、yeah. when it's set at a temperature, and you can work against yourself, and you can really damage your tools. You can damage yourself, right? You can overwork a, a muscle in your body and in your forearms and in,、oh, in your、yeah. hands, and you can just strain yourself and. It can be a nightmare if you just don't just reheat it. Just get it hot. Yeah, <laughs> just、right. reheat it and make it soft again. You know. But then there's the potential for it to go against or move in a way that you don't want. So you have to constantly be controlling it. Right. In a sense. Right. Yeah. You have to expect a reaction. Right. If you're gonna, if you want your vase to be a little bit straighter, and you're, you know, when we work, we're on this plane where. I'm, I'm looking down and sideways at a piece. It's not in front of me like a ceramic artist who's working on a wheel and they can see it and it's turning and they can see that it's centered.、Mm. Like me, I'm looking at this thing that's perpendicular to my body, and I'm just kind of having to eyeball whether or not it's straight or not. And and that's and, because of just the way it's the it's just the it's way set up. Yeah, it's like, just yeah because if you hold glass up, if it was 
upright and molten on a wheel, uh, I, I it would it would start yeah. to flow okay. down, right? right? It would slump. So yeah, we have to just keep it parallel to the ground. Yeah, and right. that's why we turn it so it doesn't drip. And uh, uh. yeah, and so sometimes you can slow down your turning, and maybe that will have the you know counterproductive effect where it really starts to go off center and then you got to speed it up but then you're speeding up this thing that fell off center and it will just have this awful turn yeah. of effect where it just will eventually break off your pipe and you're like well okay you got to start over <laughs> you hope for a bounce you hope that the piece bounces frankly because oh, if it bounces if you got one bounce in it you're like ooh, okay i might be able to save it and then you heat up your punty and you can stick it back up and try to reheat it and fix it. And if you typically get two or three bounces in it, you're like, I can definitely save this. But then usually around the third or fourth bounce, that's when it breaks. And so you just got like a few seconds wow. to figure it out. <laughs> and you got to act fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but um, I have to ask you, have you seen uh, the new season of Blown Away at all? Do you no. know about Blown Away? I don't know about this. Let me blow your mind. Um, no problem. Uh, Blown Away is a glass blowing competition series that is now on Netflix. Okay. I, you know, when I was getting ready for this interview, I almost thought like they should have a glass blowing kind of like all these other, you know, the uh, making swords and all these oh, other yeah. things that cooking and all these things. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. it is so much fun. And I've had two good girlfriends uh, uh, perform on that show. Oh, nice. And, you know, it's just like, yay, ladies. You know, yeah. you just feel so good because this has been such a male-dominated craft oh, for yeah. so long. You know, women were like not allowed in hot shops, you know, in, in certain times. And so it just is like, I am so grateful to be alive in a time where it doesn't matter. I'm allowed to be there. I can perform just as well as the men and um, better in some cases. And it depends on what that is, you know, but like I'm, I'm equal and it's so nice that, mm. that that's really evolved in a very positive way. But yeah, I'm just really proud of the women that I know on that show. And I, of course the guys did great too, but it's just like exciting to see yeah. it's an even playing field now, you know? That's really cool. Maybe we could talk about, you know, you have a beautiful website. I really love your photos. Do you do those yourself? Do you have like a little setup and you just kind of stick the stuff in there? And Oh, shucks. Don't give me any of that credit. <laughs> None of that credit. Glass is a nightmare to photograph. Yeah. It, it just absorbs light everywhere. Okay. Um, so no, I, I got another gentleman uh, local in Austin, uh, Jake Lovings, to take my photos. Oh, nice. Um, and he's just a, like a sweetheart. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal is getting a professional to do it. Um, but in some cases, you know, like when it comes to like my ripple tipple cups or like the, the items that are in my gift shop that yeah. are on my website, you know, I took photos. I took those photos, you know, just with my Google Pixel 3 yeah. and a white <laughs> backdrop and enhancing the photo and contrast and whiteness yeah. in the background. Okay. I mean, I just was like bare bones doing that I one. I gotcha. But yeah. Well, they look, it looks great. Um, the website looks great. I definitely encourage people to check it out. What's, yeah, the, what's the address? Uh, laurenhuntglass.com or .org. I've bought both of them. Oh, so. that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> so. Some of the other sections that you have. So you have your rooted pieces on there. Then you also have a, a section called peak, which is seems to be a lot of functional stuff. Maybe talk about that. Sure. Yeah. Peak, I was just trying to come up with 
something that wasn't the some other word that wasn't uh, crackle because that's the technique that I use to create oh, the peak okay. series and it's where you take a hot bubble and you drip half of that bubble in uh, a bucket of water and it will freeze the skin of the glass and cause it to crack and then you can quickly reheat it and you can melt in those those cracks but it looks you know uh, it, it just has this really kind of uh, gnarly effect on the glass mm-hmm. but it's beautiful and it's been done in glass for thousands of years um but yeah, it's a lot of functional wear and I, I needed to make just, I, in my mind, I was thinking what would help make me look a little bit more professional okay. would be a, a, seri- a body of work and then a body of production items that right. all were uniform and, and that's why I made the Peak Series. Nice. Yeah. Uh, then you also have renderings. Mm-hmm. And what is that? That's, There's a bowl on there. I yeah, saw that. It's it's like you know it's uh, it's a better way of saying you know random things I make. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like that. Just sounds nicer. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> random extra stuff. Yeah. Here's some things. Doesn't uh, quite fit into anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a yeah some pretty shiny things that I make. Big bowls. I can't remember. Oh, there's a bull on there. A sculpted bull that I made. Yeah. No. No. Well, then you have your commissions, which is cool. I mean, that must be kind of interesting to get commissions. Right. That is uh, a world that I'm really diving into deep right now. And especially probably in the last like year and a half now, I've really been diving into that, which is I really enjoy helping people make their dreams come true and like not such a dreamy, oh my gosh, what did I just say? Like that sounded so cheesy, but I really, <laughs> I really, <That> sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh gosh, that was so, that was like too sweet, it hurt my teeth. Um, But like uh, it made I like helping people in general. I really enjoy when people come to me and they say, I have this idea. I want to make this thing, but I have no glass blowing experience, but I need it to be in glass. Hmm. So uh, example being on the commission page, there's a bottle with a cactus, a prickly pear yeah, on the inside. Right. And it was a vodka company that came to us and they were like, we really would love to have a couple custom made um, bottles with the prickly pear on the inside. And we're the only vodka business in the world right now that makes prickly pear vodka oh wow i know and i was like holy cow yeah i totally want to do that that sounds great and i worked it out with them and was able to make them uh several bottles which was great but i didn't work it out for myself in the sense that i didn't get a bottle of that stuff i really wanted to try it you know that was something that i totally just missed (laughs) that you know the things the things you regret in life yeah just like god you just should have had that in writing you know it's like Um, i made that but i i don't have any (laughs) yeah it's like cool good story you know (laughs) come on you know um but yeah 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 that's that's an example and um yeah it's fun to be able to make these things to know that i can you know and to to know that i can at least try and hopefully they'll like it um but yeah i've been working a lot with uh a lot on commissions lately which has been really fun so and then you have your shop which is full of all kinds of things most recently You'd posted about hearts for Valentine's Day. Right. Um, you've had like acorns and your pumpalumpkins mm-hmm. for uh, like the fall, I'm guessing. <laughs> right, right. Vases, straws, uh, the juicer looks really cool. Uh, cups, bottles, and ikebana too, which is a type of vase to go along with kind of a Japanese floral arranging Right. Kind of style, right? Yeah, that's where that inspiration came from. The mm. most of the vases that I researched when I was just like I just there's something there was something really beautiful about the um 
Ikebana vase form, which was just low and flat. And then it was really meant to showcase typically dried floral arrangements, but also live floral arrangements. And I mean, and, and the arrangements would say a lot to whomever would receive them. You know, some would, you know, say, oh, like, hope you have a prosperous year to anything in between all of that. Like, I, I just thought the vase itself, I was like, what an understated shape. Like, it's so squat and, and shallow. Yeah. And I really love that about it. Um, yeah, I, I worked with a dried floral business here, Second Bloom Design. She's a sweetheart and she... Uh, was really interested in the Ikebana vases as well. And her and I um, got, were able to work together and I was able to get some of her dry floral arrangements and we were going to hopefully get some nice photographs with these guys together. So yeah. that'd be nice. It must be so cool to be at your skill level and just have so many possibilities open to you. I mean, you could just make whatever you want, right? Uh, <laughs> no pressure or anything. You can just do whatever. You can just uh, make people's dreams come yeah, true, Yeah, right? jeez, I said that, didn't I? You can edit that, right? But I'm uh, just saying, like, <laughs> you know, you have skills, and, I mean, you could just go into this shop and kind of make all kinds of things. Yeah. Anything you can think up, probably. That's, yeah, you know? and that's that's been a goal of mine, is that, like, that's I think that's why I've been so technique-driven, is because yeah. if I can understand how a certain shape is made, it might help articulate into a different shape that's slightly slightly different, whatever it is. Maybe if it's a color pattern or whatever, but I can at least understand the basics of it and the the underlying, you know, notes on how to do it. Yeah. So are there still skills that you um, or I don't know, how do I say this? Yes. So are there <laughs> are there still are there still skills that you don't have that you want with reference to oh gosh yeah last one there oh are. gosh okay. yeah yeah I don't know, I don't even yeah. understand the scope of it yeah. really I it's, mean I'm just I don't I don't know oh so god it's a, it's a just a, it's a black hole I tell you it oh, just keeps it? going man yeah I mean there's just things that people do that they come out every year there's new techniques and oh, it's just wonderful. like yeah it's just such an evolving. Oh. Uh, craft. It's so cool. Nice. It's so awesome to be a, be a part of it and have friends that do killer things and just like, oh my God, wow. how'd you do this? And yeah, it's so fun. Absolutely. I mean, could I pinpoint it to, I want to learn how to do this one thing? I mean, not really, because I think there's so many techniques that, oh gosh, it's like just to make a goblet. Yeah, like in my eyes, I feel like you need three different technique sets. Like you need you need three different skill sets. First of all, you need to know how to blow a bubble and keep it straight. You know, otherwise you have a wonky goblet. Um, a second one is you, you should probably know how to assemble or sculpt things so you can assemble the goblet or put it all together. And then the third one is is understanding the history and knowing the reason for why you're doing a certain technique. Mm. So it's all skill based. So it's all technique based. So understanding a certain technique on how to get a color pattern, a shape, whatever. I mean, those are like, and just to get those three things down into one cup, oh my gosh, that takes years, you know? Like I make I make goblets and I love playing around with them, but I'm not, I would never say I'm a goblet maker because that's not what I make my money off of. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's not how I define myself in the glass world. I would love to, that'd be cool, but I also don't have, I just don't have that skill set, so... Well, how do you or how do you want to define yourself in the glass blowing world? I mean... How do people? How do you think people see you as a glass blower? Other glass blowers, you know. Oh like, man, yeah. I don't. I guess I would need to ask them. Really, yeah. I like. I get. I get. I don't mind. Have I, I like asking people that I know that'll give me an honest answer. You know, some people would just be your friend and like be nice about something, but I really like 
the the other kinds of friends that you have that will be like, oh yeah, you're like this. And they're just like cut no, and dry. Me too. Me yeah, too. it just makes me happy. I'm like, thank you. Just <laughs> cut it to me. Isn't straight. that such a delight? I actually had a um, uh, I had a friend recently. She was like, you know, when you greet people, or at least me, you don't smile that much. And I was like, I mean, I could have been hurt or something. I was just like, oh, that's so awesome that you told me that because I just. Like, wow, I, I love getting the perspective from someone else that's kind of like something about me that, I mean, you can't see yourself really no, yeah. the way other people see you. And it's just like, oh, I, I need to, it's something I could work on that only makes my life better. It's like, oh, I need to like open myself up more and be more up when I meet people instead of being so stoic and kind of standoffish or whatever mm-hmm. I do. You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's what that made me think. Of. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to get that you know it's, it's like it's it's like nothing is taken personally it's like it's yeah i want to better myself yeah. you know and absolutely and if the the one thing i hope people say about me in the hot shop is that i'm at least fun to work with yeah. like i don't i don't like going into a hot shop and seeing a really aggressive loud gaffer who's just like throwing his tools or her uh. tools and just like you know having this tone that is uh, demeaning and belittling to their assistant like i can't stand that it yeah. just oh, really sure. frustrates the heck out of me um so i i hope at the very least and if the, the only thing i can think of right now is that i just hope that i'm fun to work with and yeah. that i'm that i'm hope that my students enjoy learning from me if they're not working with me they're learning from me and i hope that i'm a fun teacher um so all of that yeah, yeah. that's another thing maybe you could just touch on a little bit just being a teacher being an educator like how do you how do you think about that? Oh, man. You know, I started teaching at the right time in my glass career. I think if I was, I just feel really prepared for it now after having come from Corning and doing all those narrated demonstrations and doing a, just so many different styles of narrations and because there's so many different styles and techniques that you got to talk about and you got to know enough about it and constantly talk. Like there's definitely a two-hour long video on Corning's YouTube channel somewhere out there with you hear my voice and I am narrating the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, hopefully it is a voice that will like, you know, soothe you to sleep, like the calm <laughs> app, you know, if you just want to do that, go, go for it. Um, but yeah. Oh gosh. I forgot what I was saying. Well, um, since we're on Corning, can yeah. we talk about the, uh, performing on celebrity cruise ships? Real quick? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can you just yeah. like share what that's all about? Oh my gosh. Cause yes. I was just like, when I read that on your website, I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a wild ride. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, I, yeah. So when you worked for the hot glass show at Corning, they also had a partnership with celebrity cruise ships. And there were, there still is only three cruise ships in the whole world that offer glass blowing as a form of entertainment wow. on their ship. So, um, when you worked for the hot glass show, you also, it was a two-way street. You had to also go out on, on contracts. And so the contracts would last anywhere between three to five months. Sometimes it would last a little longer, um, especially in the beginning of their, their program. Um, people were out there for a bit longer. But yeah, three to five months, uh, I was out. and really? um Yeah. On a ship. On a ship. <laughs> on a giant ship. On a giant, giant ship. And I would work on the very top deck on deck 15, um, outside, oh, uh, and it was an all electric, uh, equipment. So it was, uh, an electric furnace, electric glory hole, all of it. And, um, we would blow glass and do demonstrations for, for cruise goers and they could come out, lay out on the lawn and, 
watch us blow glass. We had, you know, a little seating arrangement for people so they could come and just watch us. And uh, everything that we made, because um, obviously after doing so many demonstrations for a 14-day cruise, uh, yeah. you know, we're starting to accumulate a lot of glass and it's just hanging out with us. So we would do a lot of uh, raffled giveaways. So during a show, we'd be like, hey, we're going to do a random raffle. And we would hand out raffle tickets and we would give away some demonstration pieces. And so people would walk away with a free piece of glass made on the ship. Um, But then uh, the buildup of the whole project was really about really like, you know, captivating people's attention, getting them to come back to more and more shows so they could see a progress piece. And all of us would be, there was only three glass blowers per ship. And so the three of us would build uh, these really intricate, beautiful pieces of glass. And we would take typically like the top, six or seven pieces that we worked on all crews and we would um, auction them. Hmm. And so for the longest time it was um, going towards uh, breast cancer research. And um, there was one piece that was going towards breast breast cancer research. And then uh, six of the other pieces would be going towards the Corning museum scholarship fund. So glass artists or non glass artists, if you're a dentist and you want to learn how to blow glass and you just need some extra help getting there, you can apply for a scholarship and take a class for free. And that's what we raised money for. It was just scholarship yeah. funds. So that was really nice to be able to give back uh, to my field in that way, because mm. as an artist, it's really hard to have extra funds sometimes to be able to donate, you know, your own money to, to programs that you really believe in. Yeah. But um, to be able to make a piece and know that I'm raising money on a piece that I made, that's going back to a craft that I really love to hopefully help somebody out just like me who also just needs help to, to yeah. take more classes. I mean, that was such a treat. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I've traveled a lot of places and I mean, in the six years I did it, I, I went just about everywhere. I mm. was just about to go to Alaska and then the next one I had signed up for was Antarctica and I was like, ah, you know, so close. But then um, Celebrity Cruise Ship uh, they moved on on their contract with oh, okay. Corning, and so they they hired another glass artist out of Miami, and huh. so that was the end of it. Wow, that's quite uh, an adventurous career you've had, I'd say. It's so much that's fun. It's interesting. Like we're sailing into you know Milford Sound in New Zealand, and oh jeez, yeah. Yeah, you just can sail into it. Yeah, with a giant. Yeah, it blew my mind there. I was like, I'm sorry, we're doing what? And so, you know, the first time that was my first contract was going to Australia and New Zealand. And we'd be sailing into Milford Sound and we would time it perfectly that we would just be just ending our show just as we're entering the sound um, because everybody would already be out ready to be outside and be in the space. So that's how we got people to just hang out with us and. Oh, gosh, it was so cool. Wow. Yeah. And then we could just shut our equipment down and then just like step outside and just have our mouths just drop and be like, this is the neatest thing ever. Oh, my God. There's waterfalls coming from, you know, uh, just the the most, uh, oh, gosh, just beautiful scenery you'd ever seen. Wow. That is so cool. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, You said on your website that the ultimate compliment for you is someone using the objects you've created and that they serve a purpose. I guess that would go more for your functional pieces, but like your more artistic pieces, that's just for the pure beauty of an object, right? I mean, essentially, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, 
it's like if you go out you i i relate it to like if you buy a painting right and like what are you buying that yeah. that image for it's something about it makes you really happy and or at least i hope it does you know yeah. and and that's why i buy art is because i see it and i i relate to it in some regard whether it's something that reminds me of home reminds me of something mm. of myself reminds me of of something to smile about that's why i get art and and i'm so grateful for people who have you know the the skill sets that they have in in the different mediums because i i can only articulate myself in one of them you know i can't i can't do any other that well at least yeah. you know so yeah. um if yeah if if people and people have bought my rooted pieces and they have sent me videos of of it being in their house and they're just so ecstatic oh, to cool. see it in their home and i'm like oh my gosh your house is really beautiful and i'm so like flattered that i can be a part of that i can be a part of of your home in a way that just makes you really happy and yeah, yeah. it just it just feels good is that your favorite part of being an artist that's what i was going to ask you next favorite part of being an artist to to share a little bit of myself with everybody hmm. yeah i think I said that I know a little bit of like an inflection, like kind of asking a question, but yeah, yeah like, uh, I like that. I like that people can feel something mm. from my work. I like that I can give them that, you know, whether it's, whether it is something that's functional and it's a, you know, craft cocktail set and they were like, this is a great gift for my uh, father-in-law because he is so hard to buy for it. Then yeah. I'm helping them in a very hard thing. You know, I'm yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. I want to help them with that. But if somebody gets some, one of my, one of my more artistic pieces or even my jewelry and they get to wear it, whatever, like they, they feel something from it. And if I can give that to somebody, like that's just a huge compliment. Um, but yeah, favorite thing about being an artist, being able to share favorite thing about being an instructor, being able to share. Yeah. And maybe just to finish up, what are you looking forward to the most just in your life and your career and glass blowing? Yeah, I'm really, I'm looking forward to this year as a whole because I feel like there's a lot of bigger parts moving right now and I never want to, I don't want to jinx it so I can't really say too yeah, much, sure. but uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. I have a lot of hope for it and I think the the goal is to just keep making yeah. Just to keep making and I and I have the the luck of having a studio that's 5 minutes away from me that I could rent time at and it's a you know it's a great place to be able to make my own work and then I have a home studio that I can conjure up other things uh, right yeah. in my backyard and when I get frustrated I can just come out and talk to my plants in my garden and it's a good day still. So Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds like a great life. <laughs> um well thanks Lauren for your time. Enjoyed uh, learning more about you and about glass blowing, and I encourage people to check out your website, check out your work, and um, I guess there aren't really any classes going on right now. No, I am teaching one, but it's at um, the Appala Appalachian Center of Craft okay. in Tennessee, but that's in August. Um, oh. And so, if you happen to be in Tennessee <laughs> in August, look me up. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and cool, sweet, I'll be there. Uh, you could apply for a scholarship probably and take the class. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean... Uh, if if I do teach, you know, that that will be definitely posted all over my social media. Yeah. And I try to make it really streamlined for everybody. So it's like laurenhuntglass.com. That's my website. There's Lauren Hunt Glass on my Instagram. Boom. Yeah, right. And uh, 
yeah, I don't really mess with Facebook too hard. So I, I deleted it and I feel you. Yeah. You know, I'm just, eh. and then TikTok, I just got on that and I'm like, oh gosh, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, so know. yeah, I'm just I don't like, know yeah. So two platforms, I'm easy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. This was great. Hey, it's Scott. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so appreciative of your time, investment, in listening to these conversations that I have with these amazing people. I'm very grateful for you. And if you want to learn more about me and the podcast, just check out scottdavidgordon.com. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.